Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. That used to be the sound of being sick and staying home from school. That modulation right there changes. It just makes it. Doesn't that need lyrics? Wouldn't you like? That reminds me of. You you should. You should. Answer to this question right. It down, then hit your buzzer. Okay, that's not bad. As you know, Bill Murray did lyrics to Star Wars. <laughs> you beautiful Star Wars. Wars. Yeah. yeah. So we play that music because um, Alex Trebek, a big part of everyone's life as um, host of Jeopardy, <clears throat> made an announcement this week, a video this week, that I, I couldn't get through it. I don't know how he did. He's in a stage four... Um, of pancreatic cancer. He vows to fight it. He asks for prayers and thoughts, and he'll have support. Also this week, there was a, as frequently happens, there was a sports, sometimes it's just sports as a category. Mm. This week was football. And these are some of the smartest people you've ever seen mm-hmm. until it comes to football. Ah, and some of Alex Trebek's best work, as somebody in Canada had said, this is when he's at his greatest. When a Canadian man, a man from a Canadian Ontario province, gets to tweak Americans who think they're the smartest people on earth. <laughs> well, here's what happens. Here's a compilation of the category of football on Jeopardy this week. Uh, football 200. Your choice, do or don't name this play in which the quarterback runs the ball and can choose to pitch it to another back. It's an option play. Ryan? <laughs> uh, football, 400. I can tell you guys are big football fans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tom Landry perfected the shotgun formation with this team. No. Yeah. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys? Uh, do you think we should go to commercial? <laughs> Brian? Take it on to 600. Okay, by signaling for one of these, a returner can reel in a kick without fear of getting tackled. No chance. Fair catch. Two clues left, Ryan. 800. These penalties are simultaneous violations by the offense and defense that cancel each other out. And they are called offsetting penalties. Let's look at the uh, $1,000 clue, just for the fun of it. <laughs> Jimmy? As Minneapolis's U.S. Bank Stadium prepares to host Super Bowl 52, I'm looking at the Ring of Honor with names from this defensive line that took the Vikings to four Super Bowls. And it was Paige and Eller. If you guys <laughs> ring in and get this one, I will die. <laughs> Who are the purple people eaters? We're going to take a break. I have to talk to them. <laughs> how, how good is that? Was oh, the Jeopardy good. this week? Alex Trebek is just a master when he knows, okay, these are very smart people. Mm-hmm. 
They have no clue. But he gets to skewer them. Dallas Cowboys. Option play. Fair <laughs> catch. Okay. Uh, um, must, that, must be nice to, like, preside with... Um, all the answers. Acceptable condescension. Yes. With people like that, you can you're allowed to be thoroughly condescending. This is why this is why it made for such a perfect character for Will Ferrell to do. And SNL was reeling off those great celebrity jeopardies with Will Ferrell as Trebek and uh, Norm Macdonald as Burt Reynolds. He's oh, that's his idea. He created that and wrote that the celebrity jeopardy. Norm, Norm Macdonald. Yeah, it was Norm, right? And the idea so of, good. And he said, and I never really <laughs> noticed this in an interview that what made the whole thing work uh-huh. was Will Ferrell playing Alex Trebek with a humanity involved. Yeah. Oh, he's dying. Yes. Right? A number. <laughs> any number. <laughs> it's somebody writes tongue. And it's any number and you win because he just wanted someone to yes. win. The, and The and, desperation of Trebek to just, can we please, please. play my game? Yes. <laughs> yes. I lo- and, oh. and the idea that they made... Daryl Hammond, yes, Sean Connery, Connery drunk and, and filthy. The, the penis mightier. No, that's the pen is <laughs> mightier. The penis mightier. Yeah. I'll take Jap anus relations. Yeah. No, that's Japan U.S. <laughs> Japan U.S. relations. Just like your Connery. mother, Trebek. <laughs> so, um, anyways, that was. I just love that. That was that was a, a terrific thing, and we're a sports show, and <sighs> and that happens to us too. So, who should host? By the way, once Alex steps down, he recommended he recommended somebody. Dodgers announcer, didn't he? Uh, Kings or no Kings announcer? That's right. Yeah, L.A. Kings announcer. Okay, um, I've not heard him. I grew up with the other one, the Hall of Famer, Bob Miller. I thought about Bob the other day. He's a Chicago guy, Bob mm. Miller. Um, Survived cancer, has, has apparently beaten it, and 40 years, he finally got his Stanley Cup rings, and, and one of the best storytellers. I mean, I grew up in L.A., and my announcers were Vin Scully, Chick Hearn, Bob Miller, Jiggs McDonald, two Hall of Fame hockey guys, and Dick Enberg on UCLA and the Rams. Crazy. Those were my announcers. Everybody's got, you know, these guys who were who were national sure. nationally known. And Bob Miller, as spectacular as he was, and he, he used to, he went to Madison, he called Badger Bob's um, NCAA championships. But one of the best things that he ever did was in laughing at himself, mm-hmm. the stuff that he had on the air. Mario Lassard used to be a, was a goaltender for the Kings. Somebody fired a hard shot and it snapped off his stick at the paddle. And it may have been Al McGinnis because it was in Calgary because Bob Miller said and <clears throat> a shot shatters Lassard's stick and he's standing there in the crease holding his shaft. And he and Nick Nixon, his color man, realized what they said. And they both got out of the booth and walked into the catwalk and closed the door. And there was five minutes of no play-by-play in the hockey game. <laughs> I love that. So here's so you had had you you'd sort of gone into Bulls therapy before the show, as we were discussing things before the show, and part of it yes, part of it no. So why don't we just put you on the couch and you can you can go from there after <sighs> just to recap. Yeah, they had a twenty-one point lead. Yeah, good loss. 
A good tank on the good on, on a good Pistons team, right mm-hmm. above five hundred Pistons team. Very solid tank win yesterday to pull that loss out. Well, okay. I'm going to disagree with that, but I'm going to let you go where you want to go with okay. this. Go ahead. Um, it, I have to begrudgingly admit that they're getting better. I mean, that game against the Sixers, that that performance mm-hmm. and the way that um, Zach Levine is driving and creating a bit, the way that Markinen is 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 taking advantage of what is there and just. And Otto Porter is such a solid player um, that I have to begrudgingly admit that it's that they're getting better and they're getting um, they're actually a little bit <sighs> interesting. This is hard. Yeah, I was somewhat gonna, entertaining, fun to watch. I was going to say, and it's uncomfortable to have the words come out, but they've actually been kind of fun to watch of late. And you find yourself realizing, and again, there's this the underlying pointlessness to the entire thing because if they add a Patrick Beverly, you know, um, as your point guard, free agent point guard, or somebody like that, or or a Mike Conley, you know, they add a a legit point guard, then maybe maybe they could be a six seed. You know what I mean? Like that's still that that's still why there's an underlying pointlessness to it. But um, I I I can't deny that the pieces. are are playing pretty well together these days and that I don't know Jim Boylan might have something to do with it do we give him any credit okay. for this here's I'm why struggling. I'm struggling as you can tell I will agree oh by the way I just got a text from somebody yeah. everybody is the text line and my texting friend who's <clears throat> listening um giving us more Sean Connerryisms yes I'll take the rapist for 600, Alex. That's that, therapist. Yes. <laughs> that was, I forgot about that. I'll take anal bum cover for yes. 400. <laughs> That's an album cover, yes. Mr. Connery. I forgot about that, too. <laughs> so anyways, the, um, the, Bulls, the Bulls are more interesting. They're doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. Where was this back then? And it couldn't have been because marketing was hurt. And Otto Porter Jr. was a wizard. Okay. What they've done is I think that they brought in they brought in Jim Boylan to kill all hope. It's sort of like what's written on the gates of hell, abandon hope, all ye who enter here. That's what Jim Boylan was brought in to do. Bad basketball, stupid basketball. Let's go back to the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And let's have Lanier post up against Jabbar because nobody plays that way anymore. Let's make sure we suck. Let's make sure all of our stupid is on display. And then what they did was they heard Jim Boylan talk and watched him act. And he talked about spirit. Okay. This is, he's Chance the Gardener. This is the. This is, we plant in the fall, and we reap in the spring. This is that kind of clown show. Uh-huh. Because what they're doing is they're running Fred's offense. Specifically. Um, they're running high pick and roll. Uh-huh. They're moving the ball. Yeah, they're back to doing what they were supposed to do with Without Fred. Without the, the people the Fred didn't have. He didn't have Markin to start the year. Right, didn't have he Porter. Started, exactly right. Yep. So he had Zach and and... I don't know. Whatever they were going to do with Chris Dunn, he's the worst starter on this team. I don't know. He may be the worst starter in the NBA, which is saying something, but the Bulls are a bad team. They're the fourth worst team in the NBA, and Chris Dunn shouldn't be starting for a team that has any kind of hope. But he is, and they have hope of winning 
the lottery. So that's why that's the purpose Chris Dunn serves. I agree they're more entertaining to watch. It's so much more aggravating because it's the wrong time. Here's why yesterday was a bad tank win. Was it, it wasn't what you think it is. Because they blew a 21-point lead. They totally, they totally soiled the bed. They just peed right down their leg. No poise. And, and their coach, again, with the spirit, the cockamamie word spirit, mm-hmm. it just bothers me so much. But finally he got around to our, our toughness wasn't what it needed to be. Our physicality wasn't what it needed to be. They were exposed as weak, not just bad. This wasn't just a better team beating them. This was a complete giveaway by players you're depending on. The players you want to see become better, right? This this core, I mean, even for a sixth seed, it was be an awful loss if you were a sixth seed. And they're not. And I still thought it was an awful loss hmm. because of the way it happened. Because it wasn't, because I can't. Because of full-on collapse. I, yeah. I just don't, where's your character? And where's the coaching to stanch it? This is a this is a toxic combination that should give no Bulls fan hope if this stays together this way. That's the way I look at it. Even if Jim Boylan, according to Stefan No in the Athletics, said that, that Michael Reinsdorf said that Jim Boylan told him he has a good spirit. Oh, boy. You know, I got to tell you, the, the, <laughs> the, the Michael Reinsdorf stuff that's out there, I, I kind of. Sorry, but Casey did it. Casey sat, Casey Johnson sat down with him. All right. I, I, I mean, I kind of hinted at it. I think it was it last week with you. I hinted at it, or maybe a couple weeks ago, because I had just talked to somebody who knows the organization very, very well. Uh-huh. Because we have long made the comp, the 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 Bill Wirtz, Jerry Reinsdorf comp in mm-hmm. terms of the Bulls, that you know one of the sons might have to take over and, you know, God forbid Jerry should pass or however it would happen that maybe the son like Rocky will know what to do and hire the right people and have and admit he doesn't know what he doesn't know and be basketball intelligent to the best of his capabilities. And I had been told, yeah, Michael's not that guy. I, I've been told that, and I was maybe just, Rocky could do it for the Bulls. Then. Well, it's sure it's not Michael Reinsdorf. It does not seem to be. No, it do, is I've not. Heard, I've heard similar reports, and the idea of um, all of the kumbaya that goes around, along with whatever random random Reinsdorfs and the current regime and the way they do business, and it doesn't matter how many rebuilds you want to count, Derek Derek. Rose's knee injury has given everybody a 10-year get-out-of-firing-free card. John Paxson's been there 16 years. He has zero NBA final appearances. Hmm. Jerry Krause got fired. He was a man who had been there 18 years and had six titles. I don't understand why they keep giving chances other than they value loyalty over trophies. And... And they're not even selling out anymore. We discussed this last week. I yeah, tried yeah. to I tried to get you a Tributosaurus gig by buying a Bulls package, and mm-hmm. and you guys could play. You too. You could play the United Center as you too. You could be that. <laughs> All right. So, I you know what we have diverging opinions on yesterday last night's game. We'll talk to David Schuster, who I, is. I understand where you're coming from, though, in terms of the 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 quality of the collapse, and now that's not what you're trying to see. If we're going to loud them for playing uh, you know, a bit more interesting and with a bit more character, then you can certainly crap on them when they don't show that. Should be able to hold that. Show some character, not just give it away, not just like you spent half time 
um, with a big lead and, you know what, let's have some fudge, let's take a nap, and, and we'll do whatever we have to do. They just soiled the bed. It was awful. Let's see what David Schuster thinks because I think it was a loss that sucked, and David Schuster's just the man to follow that. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Came out in the third quarter. I thought our energy was poor. I thought they started stripping us and competing at the rim, and we just didn't play. We were leading the boards at halftime. We lost the boards for the game. We had 15 assists at halftime and five for the or 20 for the game, so only five in the second half. So obviously the third quarter did us in. Soiling the bed, did you win? And even when you're trying to lose a lot of games, you don't quite a... I, they, again, yesterday was a perfect example of the Bulls not knowing what they should be, not knowing how to do it, not being a very good team, but just being good enough to, as you said, welcome the sixth seed, Matt Spiegel. We welcome into the show, David Schuster, because that music tells you that it's David Schuster time. And was that a good tank loss, or was that a really bad example of a group of guys who have no poise? I, I guess you can call it a good tank loss. I mean, for for the tank crowd, tank I mean, win. they don't tank. Yeah, tank well, sorry, win. Tank win. Bro, yeah. You're not it your was, fault, Jim. It was a loss, but a win. Correct. Yes. Uh, for the tank crowd, you know, for those people who want them to, you know, pile up the losses, yeah, that's exactly what uh, it was last night. It's really weird. I mean, talk about a tale of two halves. They're supermen in the first half. They actually look like a pretty good team. And then in the second half, they looked uh, like leftover flat beer from one of my college keggers years ago. That's how bad they were in the second half. But they they shouldn't just piddle down their legs like that. That's a really bad sign. They do that. But they've done it all year. I mean, that, that, well, this wasn't the first time. I mean, I was a little surprised because I thought they had turned the corner from those kind of losses, which they did plenty earlier on. But, you know, recently they've been playing some good basketball ever since Otto Porter Jr. joined the roster. And, by the way, they, they, they just stopped going to him last night, which is weird in itself. But, you know, I thought those kind of losses were behind them, but apparently not because, as you said, they just leaked down their leg last night in the second half. Talking with David Schuster, we're talking Bulls basketball here on the score. Steve Rosenblum, Matt Spiegel with you. When Jim Boylan actually says we lost our physicality and we 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 lost our toughness and things like that, those are the things that he was supposed to imbue this team with and bring back and, and all that kind of stuff. So he indicting himself because he didn't do anything to stop it. He didn't make him any tougher in the second half when they were blowing it all together. Well, he took the blame after the game. He said, you know, it's on me, I mean, for what little that's worth. I still say it's more on the players ever than whatever coach is on the sideline. Um, You know, it's only so many timeouts you can call, I guess, you know, if he wants to pin the blame on himself. Again, they they played really well in the first half. They shot a a season-high 65% in the first half. They had 28 field goals in the first half and only 14 in the second half. So, again, they were... As good as they were in the first half, they were that bad in the second half. I will say this, the Pistons are definitely 
getting better themselves as a team. You go back a month with them, they're outside looking up at the playoffs. They've won 11 of 13. Right now, they are matched up, I think as of right now, with Indiana 6-3 um, playoff matchup in, in the postseason, and I think they beat Indiana. So, you know, with Blake Griffin, who's really good, and by the way, the Bulls just didn't guard him in the fourth quarter, and Andre Drummond, who's just a monster every time I see him going against the Bulls, they have a pretty damn good front line. Their guards are eh, not so great, um, but they have a couple of building blocks, obviously, in Griffin and Drummond. David, it's a really weird time in the NBA season, isn't it? You look around, and there's a bunch of different teams playing with very different levels of care. You know, like, so you gotta you got to be wary of kind of judging results um, and even judging how a team looks like it's playing. Think about, are right, the other guys, are they giving a crap or not? You know what I mean? You look around this league, it's very difficult to judge right now. You know, it's really interesting, Maddie, because I'm reading some of these articles, you know, and I'm following what you're saying, and then I'm hearing uh, the commissioner, you know, last week complaining about how the players are all upset about this, that, and whatever, you know. I don't know where he was coming from. And then I hear these other articles uh, quoting some people saying that uh, the players are more interested right now with the social media than they are with even winning games. I mean, what kind of nonsense is all this? You know, you, you hope, and I follow what you're saying again, Matt, you hope that these guys want to compete on a night-in, night-out basis. Doesn't always seem to be the case. Uh, I mean, the Bulls are, are, are just a really interesting case in point themselves. You know, sometimes they look really good. Sometimes they look really interested, um, like they did in the first half. And then yesterday in the second half, they just fell apart like a cheap suit. So, I don't know. It's just really hard to decipher which teams are trying to do what. I mean, take a look at the Lakers. Yeah. The Lakers have basically seemingly tossed in the towel, and now their management and coaching staff is doing the same with LeBron James. I don't know if cutting him five minutes a game is really going to make that much difference in his longevity down the road or if they're just trying to make sure that he doesn't get injured the rest of the season. So, yeah, your, your point is well taken. Yeah. You know, maybe it's, it's just that I haven't noticed it quite as much as I do these days, but even, like, really good teams – even the Warriors will like they'll, they'll go out there and they'll they'll bust Humphrey for a few quarters and they'll be like, okay, you know this is a lost night. All right, cool, got it. You know they just kind of sign up for it. Or the Celtics who are a mess some nights and then not a mess on other nights. It's like these these teams seem to flick a switch of whether they give a crap or not. It's uncomfortable. Mate. Makes you really appreciate, and I hate to go back in time. Makes you really appreciate what Michael Jordan did here when you know during the dynasty years. Absolutely. Because whenever he was on the court, he did give a damn. Like every second he was on the court, and he was not going to allow his team to lose some of the games, like the Warriors are losing right now and the Celtics are losing right now. It just makes you really appreciate what we had back then. He was um, Steve Kerr was saying that that. That, um, okay, it's time. We have to stop this. He had to lecture his team like, okay, now we need to pay attention. Because they know. They, they look around the league, too. And they and it, one of the things Adam Silver talked about was the the his players feeling isolated. Well, take the headphones off. Okay? Put down the phone. Put down the pad. The, whatever. It, you don't have to be isolated. You're... It, you know, it... I'm laughing at that, even hearing you say that, not because of you, they feel isolated. You know what they should feel? They should feel rich and and and, and thankful. I mean, some of these guys are getting paid $30, 40000000 dollars a year, and, and we're going to start worrying that they feel isolated? What kind of nonsense is this? I'm right with you. I'm, I'm uh, they're, still, they're still human beings, you know? Okay, it's nonsense. Then, then, then you know what? Come 
struggle like other people, you know, who aren't making that kind of money. All right, they're great. They're they're human beings, obviously, and they all have their things going on in their life. But what the thank you, thank you, caller, that, thank you, caller, David from East <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying it. It just it just blows my mind that the commissioner try to make you know the public feel sorry for a lot of his players. I don't feel sorry for any of them. I don't. Why would I? Did you guys happen to read, I know this said a radical change of subject, but hey, it's live radio. Um, did you happen to read the incredibly lengthy ESPN piece on how Tim Donaghy was fixing games, how that all went down, the, the, machina- the machinations of that? No, I didn't know that was a TikTok. Of, uh, uh, okay. Oh, my goodness. So share with class. It's, you know, they had, there, there was a system where he would say if he was on the phone and he would talk about his brother who lived out of town, then bet the away team. If he would talk about his brother who lived in town bet the home team that was the, that was the system that was the tip off huh? and that was the tip off and then there were like big time gambling syndicates that eventually figured out that's what was happening and they started betting hundreds of millions of dollars because they knew they figured out what was happening so this it it blew up massively but at the time what was his cut Did, uh, i never $2000 per game that's it that's it Boy, underpaid I feel sorry. No, I was going to say oh, I feel sorry for him, but I don't. Thousand dollars a game, oh, and then he asked a, he for more. He might as well be a college athlete for that. So stupid, so so stupid on so many levels. But the NBA at the time, just how? I mean, the feds were angry after the fact at David Stern for shutting them down as they tried <laughs> to investigate. They thought they were going to find out more, and they would have, but Stern eventually shut them down. And, and, you know, because and, and, Donaghy, like, they thought there were going to be others, and they were going to point to this guy and that guy and this guy. It's never been more timely because how gambling is coming. Re- re- people should read the piece. It's fascinating. And there are others who will tell you that in David's, David Stern's time as commissioner, there are other things that might have been investigated involving gambling that weren't, and that there were just things that happened in the league and haven't been explained. Nobody's found out anything. Hmm. So. Moving right along. The, are the Birmingham Barons related to that? <laughs> yeah, you know, now you got to have uh, baseball teams present the starting lineup and starting pitcher to the commissioner's office first to avoid people rushing to the windows to bet whoever might be pitching that day. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sort of curious on that one. Like, what is the time frame we're talking about? Because, you know, let's just say baseball, for example, when we're at the ballpark, we usually get the lineups. I don't know, like three, four hours before the game. You know, since the commissioner's now going to get it even before supposedly the media does, how far in advance are we talking about nowadays? But a lot of times you walk in when they open the locker room or you go down to the dugout, it's posted. So it's Joe writes these things up days in advance, for instance. A lot of 7 o'clock game, for instance, right? You're 7.05. The lineup is, he knows it at breakfast. So you can submit it to the commissioner then. Yeah, he said he sits down with the iPad in the morning over his coffee. Right. Goes through his stuff. Or he'll know what day's in advance. He knows what Sunday is. He's here. We're playing. Okay, here's our Friday lineup. I know what I'm going to do Sunday. I think what, but what we're talking about is that you can't have, there has to be a limit on when the late scratch or the late change happens. But you can't, what if a pitcher gets hurt in warm up? Warming mm-hmm. up. You can't, there's nothing you can do about that. Now, maybe like a have, horse race with a late scratch. Right. And that maybe there's something that happens. That you, a starting pitcher, any injury to a starting pitcher when he's warming up sure. must be known to the commissioner's office before it goes anywhere else. But you got people on the team that know, and people will have telephones to guys, to friends out in the desert. 
our friends in the desert. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Low green. I'm picturing. We uh, how much to buy you out, Monk? Uh, I'm, I'm picturing uh, Kershaw warming up. Oh, my leg. It's broken. <laughs> <laughs> Something's wrong. I don't know why. Why are you going to Rodney Dangerfield? <laughs> why not? <laughs> David, did you see any movies? couple movies. Uh, one from a few weeks ago, because we haven't done this for a while. Cold Pursuit. Liam Neeson. Action star. Hang it up, buddy. 66 years old. I think it's time for him not to be in any more action movies. He's a snowplow driver. His son gets murdered. He just takes bodies down. He's on a revenge tour. Wait, does, Wait he, does he have like, is it a turbo snowplow? <laughs> He's a snowplow driver. Is this what he does to make... To make a little extra money because Walmart doesn't have greeters anymore? I want to be in that pitch meeting. All right. We need a 12th Liam Neeson revenge movie. Who's got ideas? I got one. He's a snowplow driver. That's ridiculous. Let's move on. As weird as it is, that's the movie. 20 minutes later. All right, let's go back to the snowplow idea. All right. Flesh that one out for me. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's the way, that's the way this movie was. Cold, well, that's pursuit. cold pursuit. And then yesterday, um, before the masses, wait, and I'm sure wait, they'll, wait, they'll wait, make David, a lot of... David, David. Yes, sir. Hold it. We cold. still have... We still... I was still... I want to embrace this. Cold pursuit? Yes. So... Okay. So is it... Oh, is it a God. tricked out snow <laughs> Is it all pimped out? Well, is this like I mean, Pimp My Ride and he's got... Uh, Gun turrets. I, uh, and... I, need to, I need to preface by saying, first of all, he's a snowplow driver. Right. But he doesn't. He doesn't initially use his um, vocation to take apart, you know, the mob or whatever he's going after. But at the end of the movie, yeah, he does use that um, that snowplow at the end of the movie. But in between, in between all that. <laughs> In between all that, it's like Charles Bronson from Death Wish. He's just taking bodies out left and right. I, I, it, it should be a Zamboni. I want to see somebody take angry, <laughs> right. vicious revenge long in the making with their Zamboni <laughs> in the slowest death scene That's imaginable. Right. <laughs> okay, so moving oh, right along. And I saw Captain Marvel yesterday, or Marvel, whatever you want to call it. Um, Captain Marvel. Why is there even. It's not Marvel Win. It's not Captain well, Marvel you know, win because in the movie they do question if it's Marvel or Marvel. They do do that in the movie. This is Brie Are Larson. They really that desperate for storylines? They got to question the name. Yeah, hmm. um, yeah. Brie Larson was in it. I do like Brie Larson. I thought she was good. The movie, I don't know. You know, maybe I'm getting too old for some of these movies. Um, Annette Bening was in this. Samuel Ooh. Jackson, Jude Law. So I mean, it's a star-studded cast. Um, I don't know. It's just sort of a weird movie. It, I suppose it's yet another movie leading up to the big one, which is coming up this summer, you know, the second coming of the Avengers movie. So eh, it was okay. I'll just leave it at that. How was the popcorn? I didn't have any popcorn. It was too early in the morning for me to have popcorn. So you got your 920 start when making sure nobody else is in the place? Did you have to That's kick correct. anybody else out? You know out? me well. I do. I do. I, I know you, you, you prefer that. And I know it's very difficult when you can't physically kick out the two other people who were there, and and you you really enjoy that too, huh? I, I do. Oh. I like the empty movie theaters, if possible. Oh man, I can't get enough of the idea of cold pursuits. <laughs> yes, it is. I just can't get enough. You should rent it. You know, we need we need a word in the title that implies that snow is in there. That's right. Uh, hot pursuit, warm Can, pursuit. Is it really called a pursuit though, with a snowplow? <laughs> but yeah. you know that. Do you remember that movie about oh, a guy God. who went to visit his friend while driving the the tractor, 
the mower, <laughs> the mower tractor, tractor mower, mm. the motor. Yeah, there was something. He drove like Iowa to Minnesota or something. Oh, <laughs> really? Drove, yeah, it was, there's something about that. I remember. Okay. Oh, God. Well, David, thank you. We appreciate that. Okay, guys. Oh, All by right. the way, Rosie, I'm with you next week. Yes, you are, because Spiegel's had just enough damn Rosenblum, <laughs> and he's sick of it. I wish you were here this week. <laughs> <laughs> and every week. Yeah, so I'll look forward to that. See see a lot of movies. and I will. um We'll we'll talk we'll talk about the entire Liam Neeson oeuvre. Oh man! Or the entire oeuvre of snowplow movies. Are there any other snowplow movies? Would that be it? I'm if, sure they'll probably be Cold Pursuit too if it made any money. Oh god! Yeah, okay, I look forward to that. Thanks, David. See you guys. Okay. Well, it's quite a thing. Um, I found another piece of audio I want to share with the class. I like when you play things. I I didn't. I don't know if you've seen this, but it's uh, we're Probably big. We're not. big Eagles fans here. We have on Saturday Suckage always been a big Eagles fan. Yeah, like Harold Carmichael. We walk in. Uh, yeah, Mike yeah. Quick. Mike Quick. Yeah, um, and certainly a Bill Berge. Oh, uh, that was my guy. Yeah, Bill, number sixty-six. Bill Berge was the first athlete I ever saw in an endorsement. It was a Jiffy Lube commercial. Really? And Bill Berge was talking about how there's free coffee. The, the, there's free coffee right here in the lobby at the Jiffy Lube. And I was like, wow, Bill Berge is interested in oil changes and and such. That's very bizarre that you brought him up. But those are not the Eagles you meant? Uh, they were. But now that we're talking about celebrity ads going back to the 60s. Yeah. Super 70 Sports. Again, we I love the... It, it, it's a great Twitter follow it by is. local guy, Ricky Cobb. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yes, local guy. And, and Chris Bogosian in my Chicago Tribune a week ago wrote a big piece on him, and he's gained wonder. It's, it's a funny, it's gained, he's gained popularity, more popularity, has more followers. He ran this thing of an ad from the 60s of Paul Horning for Marlboro. Why don't you settle back and have a full-flavored smoke? Marlboro, the filter cigarette with the unfiltered taste. Paul Hornig, Green Bay Packer, halfback in 1961, National Football League most valuable player. Paul's a Marlboro man all the way. And here's the picture of the golden boy sitting against a locker. Wow. Casting he, thought out there. He was quite a handsome while thing. While smoking a... Marlboro Red. Looking looking very Paul Newman-esque there. And wearing kind of a Packers Letterman's jacket. You know, you can see this, that's what... I love that. And there's another thing they ran in the 60s, Super 70 Sports. We'll be coming up on the NFL draft, right? You'll see just all sorts of charts. You have the crawl. You got the... the 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 all sorts of graphics and on the side. Yeah, these and, days you have stuff going down the left side and something like three different things running on the bottom. And if you don't have a fifty-seven inch TV, then just turn the damn thing off. That's right. Or you can go back to the nineteen sixty-seven draft, and in the nineteen sixty-seven draft, Paul Ro- P. Roselle is standing there at a chalkboard. And he writes down Baltimore, Bubba Smith, Michigan State. Uh And it says from Minnesota. I forgot that was a trade. And then he writes down all these teams of who they drafted. It's on a chalkboard. It's on a chalkboard. And they write the names. And there's the guys who draft. Number three pick, San Francisco, Steve Spurrier. Oh, that's right. That's right. It was just, it was so, because we're coming up on overkill. Of the draft, and 
and the videos and the videos inside videos and the graphics inside the graphics. And soon they'll all move and dance the way Harry Potter's pictures do. And there's Pete Rosell. Oh, yeah, who you got? Yeah, okay, we'll write this down. down. All right, on the second chalkboard is at top, I think it's seventh pick, is Chicago. And these days, if your fantasy football draft was run like that, you'd be embarrassed. Yes, you would. Yeah. Yeah, now you got PowerPoints Uh to to flash on it. Okay, when we come back, um, we have an Eagles rendition like you've never heard before. I guarantee it. This hour on 670, the score is being brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. He's Spiegel, a Rose and Bloom. He can't wait to get out of here because then he won't have to be doing this next week or ever again if he has his way. Chicago Sports Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Smell of Politis on the Wake and Bake Show. So Don Henley will join us next. No, I'm lying. That'd be great though, wouldn't it? Don Henley? You know what? That's that's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. You want to talk to Henley? So, yeah. You got that number? We were talking about Joe Walsh. I didn't realize what a guitar... I knew he was a great guitarist. I didn't know that he was a guitar god held the, holding godlike status among other musicians. Yes. Yes. That's a, like everybody. Eric Clapton had the best line about Prince when someone said, what's it like to be the greatest guitarist? And he said, I don't know. You should go ask Prince. <laughs> but Joe Walsh, I never imagined that. We were talking about Eagles. Yeah. What Joe Walsh. Well, his guitar stuff with the James gang. I mean, that stuff is just just unbelievably great. But yeah, it, I had looked up because I remember the story, but I couldn't. Remember the details. He helped Pete Townsend find his new sound after Tommy. Like Pete was struggling and Walsh said, all right, I'm going to give you this guitar, this Gretsch guitar. I'm going to give you this Fender amp and this is going to be your new sound, man. It's going to work. And Townsend played it, loved it, and then wrote all of Who's Next. Hello. On, <laughs> with that I, guitar I and that did, amp. Did Thanks, Joe, Joe get a cut of that? I, I don't know. I mean, that's still paying off. It's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good record. <sighs> well, we... We, I heard a version, I saw a version of an Eagles song, and we love the Eagles here on Saturday Suckage. We come in with it, we go out with it. Uh, Hotel California. So this, this involves, this is a Twitter video, and we'll bring you the audio. We'll bring you the video, but you can't see it on, on radio. Jesus Aguilar of the Brewers. He's in the Brewers clubhouse okay. in spring training, and he's surrounded by some teammates. And what they've done is they've set up kind of a karaoke soundtrack to Hotel California, and they've printed out English lyrics for him to read. Oh, for Jesus. Uh-huh. So that is this. This is saved on the dark way. And I was thinking to myself. Uh, 
His teammates by then are the chorus, and he's standing up, throwing his arms in the air. So are they, and it's just, it's great. I don't I feel that. like I was supposed to be allowed to hear that. <laughs> Will it ruin you? No, it's just, it's just you know, the kind of uh, comfortable uh, laughing at, uh, at, at accents and, and such that you do in the locker room. But he was doing it, with, so he was selling it. It wasn't just listening to... Spanish accent. It was a guy. He was tr- reading the English words. He was committed. People, he was committed to the bit. People have weren't learned English. People not from this country have learned English, for whom it was the second language. With watching Sesame Street, watching TV, mm-hmm. listening to music, and we were discussing that Charlie Hall. Today's senior day at Northwestern, right? Charlie Hall finally gets a media call. Charlie Hall, of course, the son of Brad Hall, uh huh, and, and Julie Louise Dreyfus. Yes. So he, he bounces into the scene saying, you guys need a media availability? So after four years, he finally gets his media availability. And we were, I was remarking that I don't know that there's ever been a greater, greater, more accomplished, a wider spread comic actress on TV. HBO is really tough to call TV. I know it's TV because they have so much freedom and they're encouraged to have it. But she's in Veep now. She was in the... New Adventures of Old Christine, and of course, Elaine on Seinfeld, Legendary Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. That's really, I mean, it, it's a pretty if, good run. If you look at Mary Tyler Moore, a legend, Mary Tyler Moore show, she's got a statue in Minnesota, Minneapolis, and she's got the Dick Van Dyke show before that as Laura Petrie. That's still only two. And I I, I just think she's, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, is, she just goes about her work, one of Northwestern's Greatest exports, right? Mm. Okay. Trying to think of uh, anybody who had three big TV shows like that. Alice and Janney's moving up, but not all comedy. Alice and Janney's got got quite a a run going, but there and she is very talented. And I I I'm hard pressed to find now. Lucy did it all as Lucy. She had various incarnations of being Lucy. <laughs> right, right, right. I love Lucy. Um, the Lucy Show. Lucy Show. Here's Lucy Here's, again. Yeah, it's Lu- I, that's I, right. I believe the fourth one was called Another Repackaged Another Lucy, Lucy Product. That's right. And then there was the fifth one, which I believe was just called Lucy, Lucy, Lucy. 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 <laughs> and she's on a, a snowplow. <laughs> she's she's chasing Ethel. And she can't uh, catch thank you to the texters for reminding us uh, that Deadpool has a Zamboni death scene. I did. It wasn't reminding me because I never I, knew it. I in saw the first it. I, place. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't remember. Um, boy, I, I didn't see the second Deadpool. It was probably. It was probably good. The first one was very good. I had um, flagged some some of Dan Jenkins' best. I am having a good time on the show today. Dan Jenkins was a good time. Now remember, he he wrote Semi Tough. Which they still haven't made a good movie out of. They put wow. Burt Reynolds into it. It was really an awful. Semi Tough was was the first one with Shake Tiller, and them. And he also wrote like twelve years later. He wrote Baja Oklahoma. And did you know that he's credited with a songwriting? He has a songwriting credit with Willie Nelson. Did not know that Baja Oklahoma, the title song. Willie's in it. It's about a country singer. Mary Lou gets get tries to achieve her dream, and Baja Oklahoma, of course, is the derisive term for Texas. So it's set in Texas. Willie is the star, 
And at the end, he sings the song. What Willie did was they were never in the same room to write the song. Willie read the book and took lines out of the book and used them oh, in wow. the song. And that's, that's how you get a songwriting credit. Well, that's what happened. That was Dan Jenkins. He was, and there's a Tom Callahan wrote a piece about him that is Dan Jenkins couldn't have done it as well himself. Tom Callahan wrote it on golfdigest.com. That is, sounds like it had Dan Jenkins' ear. Dan Jenkins wrote with a great ear. Dialogue, narrative, it was the way he did it. And he had the one of the best lines ever, talking to Golf Digest. He said, a guy came up to me at a hotel bar, some overserved sponsor. He squinted at me and said, aren't you Dan Jenkins? I nodded. He said, I've read some of your stuff. Man, you've got a problem. I said, no, you've got a problem. I've got the typewriter. <laughs> that's no one that's no one to who you are. And one of his all-time great lines, I love. Greg Norman has always looked like the guy you send out to kill James Bond, not Jack Nicholas. <laughs> All right, we have to take a break. Uh next hour, we will discuss with Jim Deshays, Cubs TV analyst, some of the new rules they're gonna try in the Atlantic League that major league baseball will oversee so we'll have that discussion and um other things that we will use to fill time because we're just trying to kill it before spiegel goes on vacation before i can get out of here and have a cigar and we can finally turn the radio station on and give it to julie and maggie right there is uh yes there is (laughs) some egolessness uh for one guy in cubs camp who doesn't get enough love in my opinion that i want to throw at you All right. Well, I love you. Start throwing your love, baby. It's coming. He's Spiegel on Rosenblum. Saturday suckage, but you knew that. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.